Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, I'm fine. I'm good. I went to the beach. I had a good time. But here's the matter. No one cares. Because I think there's bigger news on the horizon. In fact, it's past the horizon. It's approached. Ben, I think you have some news to share with us. Uh, can you tell can you tell the whole world? This is That's, that's what our podcast is, the whole world. Um, yes. About some of your exciting news? Yes. So this past weekend, I got engaged. I uh, proposed to my girlfriend of almost three years. Um, and we had a wonderful weekend. I'm at her uh, family's house right now. So hopefully the uh, audio sounds all right. But um, I really haven't been thinking about the podcast that much this week, to be honest. I, I've been uh, focused on uh, her and celebrating with her and already uh, doing some wedding planning. So that's exciting. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't even know what I'm going to like eat in the morning. So uh, <laughs> kudos to you. Kudos to you, man. And I just want to say, hey, John first got engaged with TSR. Actually, I don't know if he, if he was engaged beforehand, but not important. Got married. Now you're engaged. Congratulations. A huge congratulations, man. Um, that'll be a, a killer. Um, what is it? A killer hook on the title. Definitely drag everyone in. So one of us got engaged, and I think everyone's gonna know it. Def- <laughs> definitely wasn't me. Um, but but congratulations, man! Uh, super super happy for you both. So um, that that may have been probably the the best news that we had uh, all week, especially because uh, I think we're gonna get into a few things later this later this podcast that are was a little disappointing, especially with UConn. Yeah, yeah, and we can jump in on in on that on a, in a second. But it was it was great to celebrate, and uh, I actually got to hang out with Brett, um, one another TSR uh, member. Oh, you did? Um, I did. I got I got to run with him, um, and uh, so two TSR meetups in the last uh, few weeks for me. I I uh, ran with John, um, as you already mentioned, and then uh, yeah, Brett this week. So hopefully we can get the whole TSR crew uh, together here um, once all this craziness moves along. Oh, no one told me that. Everyone likes to leave me out of the loop on these things now. I didn't know you I didn't know you ran with John until like a week ago and now this is yeah. the first time I'm hearing about Brett. So if you caught me by surprise, that's that's uh, that's good. So well cool, 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 cool. Glad to see that you guys are uh, you're all chatting and it, it seems like it was just a good week for you, man. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. Um but enough about me. Um there was certainly a great weekend for me, but we need to talk about the running news that's going on. Um, and unfortunately, in some not as good news, we had UConn announcing that they were cutting their men's cross-country team along with three other sports after the 2020 and 2021 season. Um, interesting timing for this announcement and also interesting that uh, they will not be doing it until this year is over which I think it was kind of necessary seeing as we are what a month and a half away from uh, the season starting back up again. Um, but it really is unfortunate. We, we kind of were hearing rumblings obviously uh, for a while that this was in the works. A lot of their alumni were pushing to save the team. Uh, but unfortunately it looks like uh, UConn will be cutting the team for cost cutting uh, measures. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. And, you know, we had heard about this before, you know, there were rumors saying cuts are coming, cuts are coming, cuts are coming. And truthfully, I thought it was going to be far more extensive. I think in total four sports with, um, with men's cross country being one of them. And then I think rowing and tennis and, and one other that I'm just completely forgetting about, 
uh, swimming, men's swimming as well. Yes. Women's rowing was the other one. So it's, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm very conflicted because I think we expected this to be pr- like pretty bad to the level of, you know, Brown losing all three of their programs. Um, but ultimately they only just lost the men's cross country team. And, and not only that, but they actually got a transition year saying, Hey, we're keeping you around. We'll let you compete. And then after that, we'll help you facilitate, you know, a, a new home if, if need be. And it kind of gives them this last chance hurrah kind of deal for this upcoming fall. Now I, now I really truly hope there's a cross country season for them more so because if there's not, then wow, that would just stink. But um, it, it is, it, you know, not only that, but they also raised $1.6 million. I think, you know, there was a, an interview with Andrew, uh, Andrew Dubbs, a former coach at UConn now, at Virginia Tech, um, he helped raise the you know with a few others and in all that alumni network, uh, helped raise one point six million dollars in order to keep the track programs there. So, outstanding job by them. So, as disappointing as this is, and as frustrating as this is, a we saw this coming. B, it's not really coronavirus related, um, and C, it it actually looks like they mitigated what could have been a lot of damage. Yeah, and, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this last year. Like as you mentioned, I really hope uh, it's just another reason that we can really hope that there is a season this fall, um, so that they'll be able to compete. But it, it's like a lame duck uh, situation with like the, a coach, but instead it's going to be with a, an entire team. Um, it'll be really fascinating to me to to see how they handle this and. Uh, while it is certainly great that they do have this year to kind of regroup and do one last hurrah and then be able to figure out transfer plans if that's the route that uh, athletes want to go, it, it is a, a very weird situation for them to know that this is going to be the last time that they run in a UConn jersey for uh, cross country. Um, and some may stick around just for track, but um, it, I, I can't, I, I'm trying to think about it from my perspective and how I would feel. And there's just would be such a mix of emotions that I don't, I don't really know how I would handle that. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it, it's difficult. It, it's, it's truly difficult. Um, so, so you don't really know what the gist of it is. And the problem is that, you know, the, the financial impact when you can raise $1.6 million and you can't even save your men's cross country team at that point. Now, don't be wrong. The, the men's track and field program saving, that's great. But I, I think it really just shows you how widespread the issue really is. Um, so, so it's difficult from, from that perspective. You know, I, I haven't seen any concrete numbers. I don't know what the exact numbers are. But the general idea is that that UConn football team has been miserable for a while now. And it is causing a significant loss in money by millions if i understand correctly now you know everyone likes to throw around numbers like oh it's 10 million i've seen everywhere from 10 million to 20 million dollars a year so i don't think anyone really you know unless they're within uconn or within that uconn budget meeting i don't really know if anyone actually knows how much that football program is losing but it's just so disappointing because again it's another one of those instances like we saw with akron not a, a terrible football team really kind of damages the university from a financial standpoint but everyone knows that football is going to be the main revenue driver and that that's frankly someone else, some other team is going to have to pay for it. And it looks like the UConn men uh, will have to do so, which is a shame because they actually had some really solid talents on that team. And, and we can go into that, but it, it is it is kind of disappointing, especially when you look at the guys on that team who have made some really solid progression. 
Yeah, I, I, you did. You mentioned that in the article that you wrote about it, and, and that they did have several guys who who were having promising careers. Uh, and you mentioned you mentioned how this isn't coronavirus related. I I think that's what makes this so so much more frustrating. I think with a lot of these program cuts that we've seen, it's like these were struggling programs that just had a random freak thing with this pandemic happen that no one could have planned for. And it resulted in them having to cut programs because they were already surviving by a thread with UConn. Like this, this was going to happen whether or not there was a a pandemic uh, coming across the globe. And, and because of that, I think it's very easy for the UConn alumni for fans of UConn cross country to be really upset with the athletic department and administration because it was their poor planning. It was their uh, poor decisions that caused this to have to happen rather than a once in a lifetime uh, global pandemic. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's overall just frustrating because as you just mentioned, the logistics work out in a way that it's, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back to that thing with Brown where we said, like, you had an excuse in front of you, but this is a, it's different for UConn in the sense that that we didn't that we knew there was already financial troubles to begin with. You know, it, it didn't matter whether or not the pandemic was going to happen. That that football team is is hurting them financially. Um, and now I, I really should kind of look into that a little bit further and just figure out by, uh, just by how much. Um, but ultimately, it's it's just a, a frustrating fact of the matter, um, and it's even more frustrating just because you you see what this group has done. You know, they had three men inside the top twenty at the Northeast Regional Championships in cross country last year, and not only that, but when you take a look at you know when you think about distance runners, you you really can't recruit distance runners for track only, right? You need to have the yeah. three seasons. So it's a shame when you have guys like Kyle Brackman who's a senior, he's won 805 for the 3K and 1359 for the 5,000 meters. You have guys like um, Eric Vanderels, you know, who has been a really solid talent. He'll have another year. He's been, you know, 223 for 1,000 meters, 404 miler. Um, he's been great. You have, you know, Will Brisman and uh, uh, Maniscalco, James Maniscalco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be interesting seeing how James Maniscalco and Brisman eventually move on. You know, Maniscalco is a 1355 5K runner, and he's got multiple years of cross-country eligibility, as I believe uh, Wilson does as well. I'd have to double-check that. Um, but but it kind of gets you to now to this, this point of saying there's a lot of talented guys where are some of these top guys going to go after this year? Are they even going to wait until after this year? Are they going to transfer immediately? I imagine not. I imagine they'll stay for this upcoming year. But come 2021 in the fall, what's going to happen to them? I, I just don't know. Well, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, you, you mentioned that. What what will they do this year? I, I'm curious to see if they stay and decide to redshirt where they're and then maybe they do run track, but maybe where they're kind of straddling a line of, balancing their their desire to run for UConn one more time, but also kind of planning out their future um, and what prospects they would have with another team and preserving as much uh, eligibility as they can so that they can maybe get a better offer from uh, their next university. Yeah. Yeah. And personally, I, if, if I were them, I'd say, hey, this is this is our all-in year because their top yeah. three, the Vanderels, Brisbane, and Maniscalco, that top three all returns from last year. 
Now, the problem with that cross-country team at the Northeast Regional Championships is that from a, from a scoring perspective and, and a team scoring, they went 15, 17, 18, and then their last four runners finished 102, 125, 132, 133. So they have that top three. If they find a four and five and they all run well on the same day, I'm telling you, man, I don't think Harvard's going to be up to the same place that we thought they were. I think you, you asked Lowell could surprise a few people. But after that, you know, you got Syracuse and Iona. They're, they're the traditional, you know, powerhouses of the Northeast region. But if Connecticut finds a four and five, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they end up making the national meet in some weird fluke scenario. Now, I, I don't know if, if that's going to happen, but man, they're, they're hungry. They're motivated. They have this one last year all out hurrah. I mean, it would be really interesting if they somehow find a four and five out of nowhere. It, it would be really interesting. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and that's probably what they should do is just go all in. So um, I, I did want to talk to you and we I guess this is kind of a weekly question at this point before we head on to other news. Where how are you feeling about fall the fall season coming up? I, I feel like I was a little more confident a few weeks ago, but things have started to shift. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are at this moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured we probably should have talked about that. Um I, I'm obviously not as optimistic as I was two weeks ago. Uh, the cases around the country seem to be rising. Well, not seem to be. They are rising. They are. Yeah. Um, they are. Like, so that's obviously worrisome. Um, you know, I think the real indicator is obviously what universities opt to do. Uh, we've seen Moorhead State, uh, I believe they've come out and said, hey, we won't have fall sports, Bodine College or Bodine. Sorry. Don't know how to pronounce that. Um, or more, they've was said that, that Moorhead College? Yeah, Moorhead College. Yeah, yeah. Well, more. I think it was Moorhead State. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it was Moorhead State and Boating Boating College. I think like Michigan Deerfield uh, at that campus. All those universities have said we're not doing fall sports. Had to double check on that, but pretty confident. Just going through our Slack page here. I I, I really continue to come back to the to the rationale of. What about a a university that has to rely on football? Because that that those universities they don't really rely on football revenue or money as significantly as other schools. I can't imagine that the revenue for a team like Moorhead State in football is uh, incentive is incentive enough to say, well, we need to have the season. I, I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, you know, when I think of you know like like Arizona. I think the uh, Arizona president or AD or someone, you know, a high level ranking official for Arizona came out and said, as of right now, we wouldn't have fall classes or we wouldn't have athletics or something along those lines. That's what really scared me. That's what really threw me off. Um, Now, no decision from Arizona has been made. I'm just, you know, there was just a speculation about what would happen if the decision had to be made right now. So cautious, still, I, I still come back to the, universities need football revenue and man it would have to be really really bad if they didn't play football and i'm not saying that's necessarily the right you know the right answer the wrong answer i I, you know it all just depends on what these universities ultimately decide to do um i i I still think we're gonna have the season really hoping that we do because if we don't man um man i'm gonna be very very bummed out and we're gonna be uh, really struggling for content for the next uh, next so long. So we'll 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 figure out what happens. 
so yeah, I mean, some some place like and I'm looking at it is Morehouse College. Um, is is a D two school. Um, that is I believe to be the first university to cancel football the football season. Um, and someone like them, like you said, they're not super dependent on that football revenue. Um, and I'm at a university at Belmont where we don't have a football team, and so it really doesn't matter if the football season goes forward with us we could still try to have a lot of our fall sports and i think it'll be universities like belmont and other universities that will dictate kind of what we see if they decide that you know what it's not worth the risk we're not going to do it we don't really we're not going to have the financial losses as much if we start to see those like universities start to cancel their fall athletics then I think that's the kind of the precursor to the Arizonas of the world, as you mentioned. Uh, But I still am confident that we will start the season. I am less confident that we will finish the season. Um, And I am a lot less confident about everything now than I was two weeks ago. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting take the idea that maybe we'll have the season. I just don't know if we'll finish it. Um, So we'll, We'll see what happens, man. I am really, really struggling and, and really hoping that we do have this. Um, so we'll see. And apologies, you said it was Moorhead College, not Moorhead State. It was Morehouse College. Morehouse oh, Morehouse. Apologies, yes. I, I I didn't have that written down. Apologies. Okay, so Morehouse College, not Moorhead State. Morehouse College to everyone listening. So FYI. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm crossing my fingers. It's uh, really hoping that this goes through. Yeah, absolutely. I would have run my last uh, cross country season. I'm I'm not coming back for a seventh year. Um, if hey, if you you could you, you might as well. Just, I mean, you just go to BYU at that point, right? So <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have to uh, get my uh, fiance to sign off on that. So I don't. I don't know. We'd have to see. Uh, but why don't we move on? Uh, we had a few transfers uh, happen in the past week or so, um, and first on the list. A, a pretty significant transfer, in my opinion, Isaac Harding, a graduate transfer from Michigan to Grand Valley State with all three seasons of eligibility. This is a guy who was going to play a big part for the Wolverines, 810, 3K, 1407, 5K, and most importantly, 44th at the 2019 NCAA Cross Country Championships. And he is headed to D2 powerhouse, Grand Valley State. He's going to bolster an already strong lineup. And I mean, with him in the lineup, it's hard to, it's not difficult to say that Grand Valley State now looks like one of the top uh, contenders for the D2 National Championship in this uh, coming fall. Absolutely. And it's, it's wild actually to think about it. And you got Colorado Mines, they're bringing back a plethora of names, a ton of All-Americans. I think they're just losing one name. Uh, but you look at Grand Valley State, a team that finished fourth in what was truthfully an off day at their national meet, at least uh, we think so. Um, they still have, what, three All-Americans. You know, Tanner Chata can do better. They're bringing back Inail Woldemichael. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name. Um, they have Colin DeYoung, the 2018 NAIA cross-country champion. Uh, now they're adding a guy who was 44th at the NCAA D1 national meet. I mean, you're starting to look at the firepower. I mean, you finish 44th at the NCAA D1 national meet and you run, what, low 14s in the 5K, that's going to get you in a position where you're you're challenging for a top 10 or 20 spot. I mean, that is 
very significant stuff. Um, I mean, you're you're going to be up there. So I I don't know if if Colorado Mines is going to be able to deal with this firepower if these guys are going to live up to where we think they will be. Now, a lot of it's speculation. We still have to see how that that transition works. There's a lot of new pieces or a lot of pieces that we haven't seen in a while. And you bring that to Grand Valley State. I, I mean, man, it's that, that's a really strong team. Um, it, it's going to be really exciting to see what happens there. Colorado Mines and Grand Valley State might be uh, the, the head-to-head rivalry matchup that we expect to see uh, in 2020. Yeah, and for those who are always kind of curious to see what the ha- difference is between the D1 and D2 level, this is a guy in Isaac Harding who is nearly an All-American in D1, and it'll be very interesting to see where he stacks up on the D2 level and kind of see what that how that translates. And, um, I mean, if he stays healthy and if he's able to compete as well as he did last year, where that puts him at the D2 level. Um, and I, I think that'll be fascinating for all running fans to be able to kind of see what the real difference is between these top-level uh, divisions at the high end of the sport for each of these divisions. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And not only that, but now we have to start thinking about Michigan because Michigan was a top ranked team. And I don't think Harding is the make or break piece of this team. I still think there's a lot of really good pieces for Michigan. I I still like, you know, all the guys that they have behind Devin Meyer and and Aho. Um, They've got Juice Platanik and I'm so sorry if I'm butchering that name. I know I am. Uh, they've got Jacob Lee and Nick Foster and and a handful of other names. It's a really talented squad, um, but Harding was kind of that that stabilizing piece, that piece that could maybe give them another All-American or who could maybe at least offer scoring stability or who at the very least offered additional depth, um, who's, who's, you know, would have been another great piece who's shown that he succeeds in the postseason I would have really liked to see, you know, see what that whole Michigan team was going to look like. Um, now, granted, I think the pickup and the win for Grand Valley State is truthfully bigger than the loss for Michigan. But um, it, I would have liked to see, uh, you know, Harding kind of compete with this really solid Michigan team that truthfully could could maybe have podiumed um, and, and might still be able to podium uh, later this fall. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he he is a big loss for Michigan, um, but. It will be like like we said. It'll probably be a much bigger game for Grand Valley State as a, on the whole. Um, but moving on, we we saw two more Ivy League runners head to Notre Dame um, this past week. We saw uh, Lauren Sapone and uh, Keely Spearing of Dartmouth and Cornell, uh, respectively, head to Notre Dame. And I think this just speaks to an overall trend of Ivy League transfers, which isn't surprising considering there was a lot of Ivy league runners with extra eligibility because of the coronavirus. but it's super interesting to see how so many of them are heading up or ending up in Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. Um, Sean Carlson um, on the men's side has done a lot and uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the coach on the women's Matthew side. Sparks. Yes, of course yeah coach Sparks have done a great job at uh, bringing in a lot of these top talent from the Ivy League. I mean, it makes sense in terms of academics. Notre Dame, obviously a very uh, good academic school, and Ivy League runners are obviously 
some of the best student athletes that we have in the NCAA. But it's still very fascinating to see this trend of Ivy League runners heading to South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, it's just shocking, you know, and I I guess I I get it. But, you know, it was funny because, um, you know, I think Jonathan Galt had like quote tweeted our article and that says, like, I guess Notre Dame is the new hotspot for the Ivy League. And like you said, I I get it from an academic perspective, but it's just like, wow, I wonder wonder why. (laughs) I I wonder if it's going to be like one of those instances where they just try to overwhelm the ACC during outdoor track or indoor track or wherever in the distance events. And it, truthfully, it might work. You know, you, you think about, you know, some of the teams like Virginia Tech loses a few guys. Uh, Virginia loses a few guys. You start putting a few of the pieces of the puzzle together and you think, could, could Notre Dame theoretically win an ACC title with a predominant number of their points coming in the distance events? You know, almost like a, you know, how people were saying like NAU or Oregon could have won you know, the national title this past indoor season with a bulk of their points coming from the distance events. Now, you know, obviously not really, not often do you find that being a reality, but um, it does happen. And and maybe that's kind of the, the, the goal for that. It just, it's just very odd that you just see all these, these Ivy league distance runners flocking to South Bend, Indiana. I mean, I I think with the daily twins, you have um, Sapone and Spearing and there was Katie Wasserman who came from Columbia and, um, oh gosh, I'm thinking Jacob Stupak, he came from Bucknell, not Ivy League, but you know, the, the names go on Tyler Fisher from Cornell. So I'm, I'm probably missing one Was or two. Vazbender, Vazbender headed, uh, Vazbender. That's uh, another, yeah. yep. Uh, that's another great name. Vazbender from Columbia. So I'm, I'm just surprised. I don't really know what the, the goal of it is. I, I truly do believe that there is a motive behind there just because, you know, a lot of these guys don't have cross country eligibility, but Uh, we'll we'll see what happens it's going to be interesting yeah I think it's interesting from the Notre Dame more interesting from the Notre Dame perspective than the student athlete perspective Um, as you're you're kind of alluding to it it makes sense that a lot of these runners want to come to Notre Dame and and do graduate school there that makes sense academically but on the Notre Dame perspective you're wondering you're probably you're spending it, it what it seems like a lot of scholarship money to bring in runners who have one, maybe two seasons of eligibility left. And like you said, maybe it's just to go for this ACC title in indoor or outdoor, or maybe they're thinking that this year could be a wash for cross country. And so they're kind of punting on it a little bit and just kind of stacking up as many talented runners as they can for this one year. But it, it is interesting for a school that has done so well on the recruiting trail um, in the past few years that they seem to be pouring in a lot of resources towards these transfers who only are going to be able to contribute for one, maybe two seasons this year. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where my mindset is. It's that maybe this is, this is a, an all out assault on an ACC title. You know, they have, let's say scholarship money available or whatever it may be, or maybe they just know that they can appeal to these athletes. Regardless, interesting super excited to see how this works out come next winter and spring, but um, I guess we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And then another transfer that we saw was Owet Johannes. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Um, he is from Iowa Central Community College at JUCO University, and he is headed to New Mexico 
um, with plenty of eligibility left, two seasons of cross country and indoor and three outdoor seasons. This is an 855 steepler with PRs of 409, 818, and 1439. Um, someone who is probably going to really help a New Mexico team that struggled a little bit in the last year, few years and seems to kind of fit the mold of, of a more middle distance oriented runner who can um, really help uh, train with a lot of New Mexico's younger athletes as they try to progress in the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, and overall, he's just talented. He has great range. He'll just be a solid contributor. Um, from, a, from a cross-country perspective, I don't know how competitive New Mexico is going to be. Um, but for the most part, I mean, this is a great pickup. 855 steeple is really solid. 409 mile, 818 3K. I mean, all of that stuff is, is outstanding work. And um, he'll actually be joined by, um, oh gosh, it was the, uh, Abdi Razek uh, Ibrahim of uh, South Plains Community College. So, um, you know, New Mexico slowly building in a, a few names. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward, but it's just a nice pickup. And, and there's a handful of JUCOs uh, that are heading on to the D1 level. I mean, the, the name that, you know, Wesley Bangura and, uh, oh gosh, I think it's David Two, not David Two, uh, Nehemia Two, both of those guys from Col- uh, Colby Community College, they're heading to Iowa State. Iowa State's going to be uh, huge as well. They're going to be super talented. But, you know, I think when you take, you know, uh, you know, AWED and, and those two Iowa State guys, it's going to be really interesting moving forward. A lot of, you know, Juco moves uh, that could really impact the NCAA uh, within the next year or two. And Iowa State's traditionally done pretty well uh, kind of building that Juco pipeline. I'm thinking of schools like Oklahoma State as well. It'll be interesting to see what New Mexico is able to do um, with Johannes um, and see if they, he can transition as well as a lot of these other Juco runners have to the D1 level in years past. Um, but last up on our transfer list, we have Pierre-Louis uh, Dutube, um, uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Um, he's headed to Butler from Simon Fra- Fraser, um, and he has all three seasons of eligibility left. Uh, he will be a graduate transfer, nine flat steepler, 407 miler, 814 3K runner. Again, not someone who maybe comes in with a ton of fanfare, but a really solid runner who's going to contribute uh, to this Butler team the entire year through from the fall all the way to the spring. Yeah, really nice name, really nice pickup. Butler, um, you, you kind of wish they, 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 they just kind of kept you and make peace for one more year because yeah. then, then this team would have been pretty competitive on, on the grass, um, but they lose make peace and they lose a few guys, a few older guys on the on the bottom half of their lineup, but um, still going to be a great name. He'll, he'll help them out a lot. Um, he was a D2 All-American in the steeplechase uh, during his time with California Baptist. Uh, eventually ended up at Simon Fraser, um, where he did some great work there, got his uh, his mile and 3K PRs down. Um, so he's going to be great. But at nine flat steeple, he's going to be joining, uh, I believe, the Wagner uh, transfer, Jonathan Besselink as well, who has like an 854 steeplechase PR as well. So you you put those two together, Butler could really make some uh, some noise uh, in the steeplechase at the Big East Championships come next spring. So that, that's going to be an interesting group. Um, you know, I like what he brings to the table, uh, a nice cross country piece and uh, a piece that will help Butler stay competitive in a year where I don't know what Georgetown's going to be like. I think Villanova is going to be a little bit better than some people are expecting, but he'll at least keep Butler in that same realm of competitive, excuse me, competitiveness with those programs. And I think that's really all you can ask out of him. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and the Big East is always a competitive conference. And I know Butler certainly wants to uh, stay in that kind of top three range, and, and he'll certainly do that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think he will certainly uh, help them on a Big East level. Um, and that's really where Butler wants to stay at that, that top three range right behind and, and in the mix with Villanova and Georgetown. Um, but Garrett, I think that wraps it up for our transfer list. Um, we certainly had some interesting news from this past week. Um, we did see one extra uh, five-star rating and review this past Let's week. Go. So we, we, we fell off the wagon a little bit, but I think we can pick it back up um, over the next few weeks. So remember, just it's so easy. Just slide right down to the bottom of the episode. You can just hit those five stars. Leave us a rate, leave us a review if you want. Um, we are, we will certainly be reading it. So if you ever want to uh, get in touch with us, that's a really easy way. Um, but we are on the march to hundred, as Garrett likes to say. So we'll we'll figure out what to do once we get there. But we got to get there first. Yeah, and hey, once we get the swipe up feature on Instagram, we're super close. By Ooh, the way, yes, we, have, like, we are. Yeah, we have like less than nine hundred followers to go. I think. I think like once you hit ten k, you get the swipe up feature. Oh, so that's gonna be great. What, once, once we get that, it's over for you guys in terms of the excuses. Like it'll be right at the tip of your fingertips every time you go to our Instagram story. So, uh, so, so get it in now. Get in those, uh, get in those, uh, the reviews. But hey, it's coming. You'll be right in front of you. You won't have any excuses after that. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, that's all I got. And of course, though, uh, thanks all for the support. And uh, we were kind of quiet this past weekend. Uh, I think everyone just kind of needed a mental break. You know, like kind of getting their life together and maybe proposing to uh, yep. their fiance, you know, important things. I, again, was just trying to figure out what I was eating for breakfast. Um, I had eggs Benedict from, it was great. So anyways, oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, it, it, it was, it really was. Um, DoorDash is great. Uh, anyways, <laughs> but that's, that's all I got on my end. Uh, ben, congratulations to you. And uh, that that's all I've got. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm, a, I'm, I've been a little bit knackered. I'm, I'm pretty tired. Um, so we can wrap it here. Um, and we will pick back up next week and maybe have some cross country, uh, discussions as we look forward to the fall season that we are fingers crossed expecting to happen. Um, but Garrett until next week, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.